Amen. So we started last night talking about um, foundations, and uh, we saw that everyone in the world, every human being is building a certain way, and one of the principles we've been emphasizing is that uh, spiritual maturity is predictable based, and success in life is based upon certain choices that you make. I, ha I haven't mentioned it, but um, I think I mentioned it in one of my videos, I release a video every week, but I, I was listening uh, probably about a year and a half ago to a teaching by uh, Miles Monroe, and I, and I was struck by something he said. He said, I think when he was 13 years old, he said he made the choice that he wanted to be spiritually mature. And so he said that in wanting to be spiritually mature, he made these decisions in his life, and I'm paraphrasing some of them. He said, uh, number one, I decided I was going to read the Bible through every year, uh, every year since that year, and I think he was, I think, 52 or 53 at the time, and he said, so I have 40-something Bibles because every year I get a new Bible. And then he said, uh, I wanted to pray one hour a day every day. So I did that. And then he said, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to uh, uh, fast, I think, 40 days a year. So he said he broke it up into different, but by the end of the year, he had, he had fasted for 40 days a year. And then, he said, and then he said, I wanted to grow in knowledge, so I decided to read three books a month. And... Uh, and, you know, someone says, well, that can get kind of expensive. Uh, certainly, he says, someone who told me years back, that's going to get kind of expensive for you. He goes, ignorance is really expensive. And so he, and then he, then he said, uh, I also made a choice when I had children that I wanted to be the one who raised my children. He said, so I cut back on my travel schedule and I would get up early in the morning and every morning I would have devotions with my children. Even if I was traveling, I would make sure we did devotions over the phone he said, because I didn't want anyone else to raise my children. And his point in saying all this, this was obviously a man who spoke in front of parliaments, was in demand in companies, presidents, and different things. <laughs> if you want to watch something, uh, a bold man, before he passed away, the Bahamas was, uh, I think, debating or had passed a law, something along the lines of same-sex marriage, and he's, he's on his program that's being recorded as it's being recorded from his church on a Sunday morning and he's saying listen to me and he, he was telling him I will not back down this is immoral and I will not have this in my island and he said oh you say you're going to send me to jail I'll go to jail for what I believe this was a man who who and they knew that a lot of people came to the Bahamas to his church to hear him preach so they could go here and preach and they could get a vacation as well so uh, this was a bold man who believed in the gospel of the kingdom, and his point in saying was he, he was he, his point in saying was that spiritual maturity is predictable, and in fact we know that God told Joshua in Joshua chapter one, uh, one of my favorite thousand chapters in scripture, uh, that he he tells Joshua exactly what to do, and it's really interesting how he lays that out for him. He tells him, I've already given you this land. And what's really interesting, we all know it's, it's, it's walled in. <laughs> he said, I've already given it to you, but, but here's what you need to do. You need to meditate on the book of the law day and night, then I will what? Make your way prosperous, and then what? Another word that sometimes we don't like in the body of Christ, then you will have good success. So he's telling him, the key here, and I'm convinced what he's teaching him here, is that you keep your word in front of me, and when you keep your word in front of me, this will keep 
the foundation of your life correctly because though you see difficulty or though you see an obstacle in front of you, the God on the inside of you will become bigger than the giant that you're facing. And if you'll do exactly what I tell you to do, you're going to see that thing, uh, you'll see those walls come down. But he also used an unconventional uh, method, obviously. And it also illustrates something else about the life of faith. We talked a little bit about faith, but faith is, uh, the, the life of faith, there, to, to be the person that God intends you to be, you'll have to be bold and you'll have to constantly take risks. There are no wimpy Christians, uh, wimpy believers in the sight of God. Like if you really want to walk the life that God tells you, you're going to have to overcome fears, different things, and you'll, you're going to have to have the ability, by the grace of God, to stand in the middle of a storm. And to walk things out, one of the things I've learned is uh, you have to, when you're walking with God and you're walking this life of faith, you have to start in faith. How do you start in faith? You have to know what God said. That's a really, really big deal. With leaders all the time, work with a lot of leaders, and they're like, well, everything's going, not, not working. I said, what did the Lord say? I know it sounds simple, but you better be convinced that the Lord told you. Because it, this is any area of life. Did the Lord tell you to start that business? Did the Lord tell you to do this? Because there is going to, we, we, we've read it twice already, Matthew 7. When the storms come, does it say you, you are, you are uh, you're exempt from the storms? In this world, you have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome. And then, here's one that they don't teach a lot in America. There's actually storms that God will send you into. Peter, it's a storm. He goes, Jesus if, Jesus, if that's you, call me to come. Come. He called him to walk in the middle of a storm. So the key there, and that's why we emphasize knowing the voice of God and knowing the difference, too, between the voice of God and something that looks like something you desire in God, but it's not God. Wee 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 big. That's a big one. I always ask people, what did the God say? We have the Samuel principle involved in that one, right? What's the Samuel principle? Samuel sees Eliab, 1 Samuel 16. This has got to be the one. He's good looking. He's been to Harvard. Think about what's happening there. That's why I also emphasize positioning your heart where you're always teachable like a child. Samuel looks at Eliab and he goes, this has got to be the one. And this is God's voice in the earth. And to me, one of the greatest prophets that ever existed, Old or New Testament, because God said he let none of his wall, words fall to the ground. So God says, I don't look like you look. What's he selling? Teaching us that principle. You can't be governed by your five senses. So I say to people, I don't care how good it looks like. I don't care how much money they're offering to you. I don't care what they're telling you. I don't care how it looks like it fits into a prophetic word that you got seven years ago that you weren't even sure was God. You have to know this is what God said. The reason you have to know, and obviously there's different degrees of that, but the reason you got to know is because there's likely, especially if you're walking in something really God has for you, there's going to be some challenges along the way where it seems like everything goes contrary to what God said. And when you know that God has called you, you just stand because you know what the Lord said. I'm very thankful 
because since the moment I was 18 years old, I've never doubted I was called. And so if something goes the wrong way, I know I'm where exactly where the Lord has me. You can't talk me out of it. Just like I know I'm a man, I know that I'm called. And I may say it that strong because I've never, I mean, I know some people struggle with that and it's a different issue, but I don't ever wake up and go, I wonder today if I'm a man. No, I know I'm called. <laughs> you know, we laugh, but you got to know. That's how you have to know the voice of God. So you got to start in faith. Then you got to usually stand in faith when things are going wrong. And then usually there's going to come something that the Lord is going to speak to you to bring manifestation for what you're believing him for. Joshua. He goes, I mean, can you imagine that elders meeting? All right, here it is, guys. Seven days. First six days, we're going to march around one time. Seventh day, we're going to march around seven times, and we're going to be the first Pentecostals in the Bible. We're going to shout. And you could see probably some of the elders like, and, and then are we going to like, Throw the arrows at them, and is that, no, 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 we're just going to shout, it's going to work. But when you know the voice of God, it makes complete sense. You see the same pattern in David. Actually, David's a little different, because sometimes you don't need, well, he, he's, got a, he's got a word from the Lord, because God tells him, no uncircumcised foe will be able to stand in front of you, the book of Deuteronomy. So he's got the written word. So he starts in faith, and what you'll see is, that whole story, I encourage you to read it, not one time does he ever speak anything contrary to victory. The whole time he's declaring he's going to win. Starts in faith. Stands in faith. Now here's something to note though. Goliath does not change. It's not the whole time he's making those declarations. The whole time he's speaking the word of God. It's not like, well, you know, Goliath, Goliath got a little sick. He's looking a little weak these days. He is as strong as the first day that Goliath started speaking to him. It's not until they step onto that battlefield and David throws the stone. What's that? The word that brought him manifestation that changes the scenario of what Goliath looked like. But here's the key. In David's mind, before he even started, he won. That's a word for someone here today. Before you start, you better see the end goal in mind. What's the end goal? What God told you is going to happen. So, I don't know how we got all on that, but it's in the atmosphere. We're talking about foundations. So, we're all building, and spiritual maturity is predictable. Look, let's look at these two verses. Let's look at our uh, two our base verses here. Second Peter two verse. First Peter, excuse me. you haven't been with us. First Peter 2, verse 5. Coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, chosen by God and precious, you also, a living stone, are being built up a spiritual house. Now notice there, you're the spiritual house, you're not the builder. The stone never tells the builder what to do. The builder tells the stone what to do. 
a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. And then our other base scripture is Matthew, the seventh chapter. Verse 24, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains ascended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall. I like that. It did not fall. You're created not to fall. Okay. All right. No, it's the afternoon group. For it was founded on the rock, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them. Now, notice the, the difference there between how people built is what they did with what they heard. And notice that both heard. Everyone has the ability to hear. It's what you're going to do with what you've heard. We were like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. And here, here we'll illustrate another principle about foundations that we haven't touched on much, but I'm just going to list it out there. What you'll see is, and we touched a little bit upon it, the foundation can't be seen, but the foundation inside of you is what is on the inside of you. What is on the inside of you defines you because you live in an inside-out kingdom. Everything you have need of is already on the inside of you. The resources, the grace, the favor... It's all on the inside of you right now. The world system functions outside in. Even many believers, they're looking. I need this to change for this to change. I need, I need to get a raise uh, because I need more money. I need uh, uh, my husband to get into line. I mean, my kid, everything's outside. It's very much outside motivated. In the kingdom of God, it is inside out. And when, on the, when the inside when the inside dominates you in a certain way, it will begin to align the outside of you. That's why the word of God comes in you like a seed. Jesus taught us this in, uh, in uh, John the 6th chapter. When they asked Jesus, they said to him, what do we need to do to do the works of God? It's a brilliant question, really. What do we need to do to do what you're doing? And he said, this is the work of God, to believe in him whom he sent. You can't see somebody's belief system, but it's on the inside of them. You know, when we say, when we apologize, I'm really sorry, I didn't mean to say that. What we really need to say is, I didn't mean for you to really know what I think. Because it's in there. Belief. You can't see somebody's belief system, but it's what's defining them. That's why it's so key. That's why we spoke this morning about revelation knowledge. Because once you receive something from God, it comes to you usually in seed form. And once you... I wish I knew this principle many years ago, but I realized that once I said yes to the assignment of God on my life, because it was on a seed like on the inside of me, it began to change everything on the outside. And that seed began to attract every part of my destiny, every purpose of my destiny. Now, here's the problem if you have, if you have something on the inside of you, but your thinking doesn't begin to align with your destiny. You, uh, it, will, it will cause you to abort or put on hold what God has for you. A lot of believers, unseen realm, angels assigned to them, have nothing to do, and they're very confused by how you're living your life. Because you're going, 
yes, I got this word. Yes, the Lord spoke to this, to this meme in prayer. And then you say something, so, but I don't know how that could ever happen. And that angel's going. And then often we receive and say things culturally that is completely contrary to the will of God. I'm just losing my mind. I don't know what we're going to do. And that angel's going. just don't know what we're going to do. just seems like we get ahead and then another bill comes. And then you're getting what you say because you just don't know what you're going to do. You know, I've talked to people, they're like, I just don't, I don't hear the voice of God. I said, I know because you're saying that. So the enemy is making sure that you don't hear the voice of God. Now, here's another thing, though, that is worth exploring that if you are continually struggling in a certain area and it just doesn't seem like you cannot break through, there might be demonic influence in that area that needs to go. Very, very important. So how do you do that? You find a good deliverance mission. I have a few I could recommend. I don't recommend everything out that's out there, but because there's... Um, there's some uh, not-so-good models out there, but I know some people who can help you. I go once a year because I'm still a work in progress. And every year, we go to another level of freedom. Sometimes people say, well, how can a Christian have that? A Christian can have whatever it wants. Let me ask you a question. If someone today, we, we were at a restaurant, and... Uh, we lead somebody to Christ, and they have a pain in their back. And once you lead them to Christ, that pain doesn't leave. Would we say they're not born again? No, they just still have a pain. You're still born again. You just have a pain that might have a creepy crawler that's still there, maybe from a generational thing, maybe from a choice you made a long time ago. Uh, uh, years ago, I heard this story uh, John Arnott, I believe, was somewhere in Mexico, and um, they were doing a pastor's meeting, and a lady came up, a pastor's wife came up to him after one of their sessions, she said, I'm leaving my husband. Why are you leaving your husband? Because he's beating me, and he's a pastor. So the pastor comes, yeah, you don't know, just because you're a pastor doesn't mean you're whole. <laughs> yeah, true. People in ministry are just called, they're not necessarily all whole. The goal is wholeness problem is a lot of them don't realize they need help, but that's a different story. And I think it was Carol looked at the guy and said, I know why you're beating your wife, because you were beat as a kid and you made a vow that you would never beat anyone like you've been beat. And because you have a vow of judgment against your father, you're doing the very same thing that he's done. And he said, you're right. The guy began to weep. He repented. I think a year and a half or two years later, they came back. The wife came up. My husband is the most loving man ever. There's a reason why we do the things that we do. They're not arbitrary. You know, when people say, I don't know what came on me. You might want to figure out what came on you. I don't know why I'm so angry. It's down there somewhere. Your heart defines why you react to certain things. 
This is not to make you introspective about everything, but you can ask the Lord, what is the root of why I'm doing this? It's called foundations. That's why I emphasized last night this whole thing. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. That doesn't help anyone. Well, I felt that in the room. So, we talked about foundations, and one of the foundations that we looked, we went back to the book of Genesis. The foundations of how we build our spiritual house, we want to build it, number one, recognizing that we've been given an unlimited kingdom. God was not interested in a religion at all. Not, not his cup of tea. Remember, I said this a number of times, Jesus didn't go, by the way, when I'm leaving, I'm giving you Christianity. Leave you a kingdom. Luke 17, I confer upon you a kingdom. What is a kingdom? It is God's rule and reign, and you become a citizen of, of heaven right now while you walk the earth, and he wants to teach you how to be an ambassador of that kingdom. And the church's job is to uh, teach, preach, and demonstrate the kingdom of God. And that's really important because that puts us completely at odds with the world system. It doesn't make us irrelevant. It should make us very relevant in every area of our life. But the challenge is, a lot of times we have embraced a Christian subculture that is far below what God intends us to live, and we become content just kind of coming to church, gathering, going to our small groups, and knowing a few Bible stories and playing a few shandais every, every now and then. This is not what God intended. He intended us. Here's another part about, well, we'll just, we'll, 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 we'll stop there and we'll build this house here. Kingdom. First principle of the kingdom is God is the source of all things in the kingdom of God. Second principle is this. Everything he's asked you to do, he's given you the power to do. That's a good kingdom. We talked about the subject of faith, that Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. Everything begins and ends with Jesus. There's not anything that you do inside the kingdom of God that, that begins with you. That's why everything we do is an act of worship. It's a really good kingdom. He goes, I want you to worship me in spirit and truth. So I'm going to give you spirit and truth, and you get to give it back to me. It's a good kingdom. In the kingdom, too, uh, you want to build your life as God is a source of all things. And then we also emphasize this morning, building your life on a life of fellowship with God. Building your life on a life of fellowship with God. You have a God who wants to talk to you. So as a consequence of fellowship with God, we get to hear his voice. And that voice is really important because he wants to educate you through that voice, through the knowledge of God, to teach you how to live from revelation knowledge, not from sensory knowledge. He wants to teach you not to be overwhelmed by every difficulty that comes your way. He wants to teach you that you don't have to freak out every time things don't go your way. He wants to teach you how to live a different way economically. He wants to teach you all these wonderful things. And anything that you're going through, you find out he's pretty much an expert at. But there's also a reason why you've come. Because he gave you a purpose for the earth. Here's another challenge that we face here in the Western world. We have people who God put on earth with certain assignments, but they've been educated the wrong way, and so they're in the wrong assignment. And even though they're nice people, even though they 
speak in tongues, Angela, even though they go to church every Sunday, they're in the wrong assignment. They're supposed to be in Europe being a businessman. What their mama told them, accounting would be a good career. So they're an accountant in Moody. They don't really enjoy it, but they're nice and they're an usher at church. The church loves them because they're a good giver. But they're going to stand before Jesus and Jesus is not going to judge them for being an accountant. He's going to judge them because they were supposed to be in Europe. So we all have an assignment that it's our responsibility to discover. And here's the thing. The full resources of heaven have been given to us. This is so beautiful. I think about this all the time. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit are 100% committed to the purposes of God being established in your life. So when you say, I don't know about that, I'm just not sure that's me, what you're saying is, God, you're not smart enough to help me. Here's the other thing. When you stand before God, we will all be without excuse. It's not like, you know, like standing before God. Jesus, you forgot to tell me in 2003. Gabriel, you forget to tell him that? Okay, that's on that, sorry. We'll hold, you're off the hook on that one. It's not going to work like that. They'll let you know. They'll let you know. So everyone comes to earth with a purpose. Walking in purpose. We saw that God was the source of all things. We didn't touch on purpose, but everyone in the, everyone in the kingdom of God has a purpose. And the, the, the purposes and the reason for which you came to earth the Godhead is as much committed to you as it was to Jesus, because this is what Jesus said before, before he ascended on high, John 20. It's a beautiful thing. He says, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Good news. Sometimes I'm on a plane going overseas. Where are you going? I said, well, I'm an ambassador. Really? Who do you work for? I said, ah, I have a very big government that's sending me. I said, this is a good flight you're on. Favor of God goes with me. Favor of God surrounds me. There's favor in your assignment. That's another part about living inside out. The rules of this world system do not apply to you. I say that almost every day. I said, Lord, I thank you that the rules of this world system don't apply to me. Because I have favor to do what you've called me to do. So part of your foundation is understanding your assignment understanding your purpose, building your life on a foundation of fellowship with God, learning to walk by faith, learning to trust God as a source of all things, hearing the voice of God. Another part of your foundation is connecting with the community. We said that biblical discipleship, God would, the, the biblical discipleship model is always in the context of community. Number three, pro, I don't know what number I'm on, but I'm just talking here. Proactively, dealing with character issues. And we said that the Holy Spirit's incredibly practical. That sometimes you'll, you'll, you'll be made aware of the issues of your heart based on the circumstances that you're in, based on your workplace, based on this, based on that. It's an introduction to, God, I, I need to deal with this. Here's another part of your foundation. I'm just throwing these out there because I don't have time to develop them all. Uh, oh, we said this. 
Consistency. By the grace of God, learn to be a consistent person. Learn to be a person of your word. Learn to be consistent and intentional in your fellowship with God. Here's another one that will really help your foundation. Live a lifestyle of fasting and prayer. You know, I didn't realize this because the Lord told me. <laughs> God is really funny. I thought years ago, well, the way I interpreted what God said, but God said to me, would you live a lifestyle of fasting and prayer? And I just said yes, and I ran with it. And about a few months ago, the Lord said to me, he goes, you know, I never asked you to do that, but I'm really happy you did. <laughs> I said, oh, I thought you were asking me. He goes, no, you were just so enthusiastic to do anything I suggested, you did it. Fasting, I learned, does not change God. But it changes Abner a whole lot. So bring that before the Lord. I didn't want to live a lifestyle fasting and prayer because I had just finished, I think at the time, wrestling in college, and I had lots of symptoms of eating disorders. <laughs> because I took a survey... And they said, you watch your weight. Yes. Do you weigh yourself more than one time a day? Yes. Do you crave certain foods? Yes. <laughs> so they said at the end of the survey, they go, sir, you have all the symptoms of an eating disorder. Why? Because you're an athlete. You have to, to weigh in and do all these things. So I was looking forward to a lifetime of eating ice cream Oreo cookies. And then I realized that's not so good for your life. But I didn't want to. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't want to miss meals. I missed a lot of meals in my life before that. But there's grace to do what God asks you to do. And he'll give you a strategy to do it. One of the greatest advices I ever got was from Kingsley Fletcher, a great prophet of the Lord. He's actually got a great book called Fasting and Prayer. And he taught us this, and I'm so thankful I applied it. He said, a lot of people try and, um, you know, I'm going to pray I'm going to fast and pray for 20 days. He goes, and they've never fasted once in their life. He goes, I found the most effective fasting and prayer I've done is if I have one day or two days or three days, and I can actually devote it to fasting and prayer. And I learned that, and I applied that principle, and I have found it to be absolutely true. Not that there's not times that God doesn't, but most of my time is very concentrated where I actually can spend more time than I usually do in concentrated prayer and fasting and my greatest breakthroughs just come out of that place, fasting and prayer. So that's another part of the foundation of your life. Here's another one. Live unoffended. Jesus taught us. Offenses will come. Here's, here's a big thing that I've learned. Walking with the Lord, if you minister and treat people and obey God, you will be taken advantage of. I'm sitting on a panel. I actually wasn't sitting on I was listening to this panel about two years ago, and they had these guys up there, and they had, the, the question was asked, they said, what's a non-negotiable for you? And I, one of these young prophets said, I'm not going to ever be taking advantage of my gift. I said, wow, he's going to be beyond Jesus. Because people are like, I'm not going to let anyone use me. I'm not saying you, you set up yourself to be abused. That's, that's another weird Christian thing. Like some Christians, just beat me, just beat me. No, what's wrong with you? You know, like... <laughs> What is wrong with you, you know? But when you really posture your heart to love people, to honor people, to be a resource to people, there'll be people who take advantage of you. And then you can smile and just say, I didn't do it for him anyway. And I choose to love you and I choose to forgive you. 
but especially, too, if you get involved in a community, in a church. Once you get close to somebody, you'll see they're not as perfect as you. And they might say something that hurts you or something. And they might not even think they did anything wrong when you tell them, that really hurt me. Well, get over it. And then you'll really have to get over it. So quick to forgive. Learning to live by faith. Making an intentional choice to live by the word of God. Asking God, what, what, what do I do with this word? How do I discern what I'm doing with this word? Taking responsibility for your own spiritual development. Not blaming something that happened 10 years ago. Do you know, though, there is, there is sometimes where you will have to process the end of a season. Let me use this as an illustration. Unless God speaks to you and you're 50 years old and you've never had a child and you're getting married, you're probably not going to have a child. So you have to grieve the end of that dream in your life that you're probably never going to have a child. So grieve the end of it, ask God for the grace to move on, and don't live in the past of that. So sometimes you have to grieve the end of certain things. You know? I don't know why certain things happen. I stopped with the why. Now I'm just trying to move ahead and process things. Ooh, I know I got that, that got a lot of amens.